Good morning, Thrive. How are we doing this morning? All right, man, it's good to have you guys with us today. We are in a series called The Jesus Diaries. And if you will, turn to John chapter 2, verse uh, 13. Now, as you guys know, I am a sports buff. I love sports. And one thing you may not know about Michael Jordan I want to share with you today. Most consider him, I said most, you may be a part of the minority, but uh, most consider Michael Jordan the greatest basketball player of all time due to not only personal accomplishments, but also the fact that he won six championships and things of that nature. But many people don't know everything surrounding Michael Jordan coming out of college. Most scouts thought that Jordan wouldn't be great. They thought he'd be pretty good. And the reason is, they said he was a great athlete, but he lacked the ability to shoot a jump shot. They said, sure, he can dunk the basketball, he can jump around, he's very athletic, he's very agile, but they said he doesn't have a jumper. He's not great at defense. And so what happened in the first, I'd say, six years of Jordan's uh, career in Chicago, guess what? They were right. Guys like Larry Bird and Kevin McHale and Isaiah Thomas and the bad boys, they beat up on them. If you don't know about that, you can YouTube it. But Jordan became a multidimensional player. He actually added a jump shot. He actually added defense. And he became multidimensional. He was one-dimensional when he came out of college. He could only do one thing, very athletic. And I want to talk to you today about how we as followers of Jesus, are a lot like Michael Jordan coming out of college. And it has nothing to do with basketball today. It has everything to do with our view of God. And in John chapter 2, verse 13, where we're at, we're kind of picking up off what happened last week. Uh, last week, Pastor Mark, our Richmond campus pastor, got to talk to you about the Lord of the Wine and what happened in the wedding at Cana of Galilee, if you remember that. And, and Jesus was, uh, you know, turned water into wine. He saved this couple's wedding celebration, right? He, they avoided embarrassment. But the next passage that John shares is actually the next thing in chronological order. That's what we're doing. We're taking the Gospels and taking you chronologically all the way up to Easter. And so right after Jesus turning water into wine... One of his closest followers, John, as he's remembering this as an old man, he's writing this down. He's trying to make sure everybody knows he's the last living apostle. He wants to get the story down. He's read the other gospels. He said, but i got to share with you what I experienced. He shares this very interesting story that looks very different from Jesus the week before. Look at John chapter 2, verse 13. It says, It was nearly time for Jewish Passover celebration. So Jesus went to Jerusalem. That's what all the Jews did. They make a kind of a, a Mecca uh, back to Jerusalem for the Passover. It's very big. Passover happened in Egypt whenever, you know, the Lord passed over the children of Israel. They put the blood on the doorpost and the death angel passed over them. So every year they celebrated coming out of Egypt and they celebrated the Lord passing over them. And so they joined together for this celebration. And look, look what happens. He says, in the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle sheep and doves for sacrifices. He also, also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. And I love this next part. Jesus made a whip for some ropes. Now just pause for a second. I wonder as he was doing this what his disciples were thinking because they were with him. Hey, hey, Pete, what, what do you think he's doing with that? I don't know. He's got ropes and he's, he's building something. You think we should ask him what he's doing? No, 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 no. I mean, he did something pretty cool, you know, last time, this water and the wine. Let's see what he does now with these ropes. 
But look what he does next, and this is so interesting. It says, uh, next, he says, after he, he, you know, he made the ropes there, it says that he, that, that he chased them all out of the temple. He messed up church that Saturday for the Jews. He drove out the sheep and the cattle. He scattered the money changers' coins all over the floor. He turned over their tables. And then going over to the people who sold doves, he told them, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Then his disciples remembered this prophecy from the Scriptures, from their Torah, their law, and their prophets, what we consider the Old Testament. Passion for God's house will consume me. I mean, Jesus went WWF on these guys. I, know you, I don't know about WWE. All we had was WCW and WWF when I was growing up, right? Jesus goes in, and you see a view of Jesus that we usually don't talk about where he is angry and upset at what's happening in the temple. Now, now understand what was happening. These money changers and the people selling the animals there, they were doing this by telling the people their sacrifices weren't good enough. But we'll sell you one. Hey, see that lamb you got there? There's a, there's a blemish on that lamb. And you know the law says you got to sacrifice a lamb with no blemish. Guess what we have for $19.99? And if you buy a lamb now, well, there's more. <laughs> we'll throw in some doves. And people were traveling from all over for this Mecca to come to celebrate Passover. This is what was happening in the temple. And we see Jesus do something that we usually don't talk about. Let's just think about it. All the pictures that you saw of Jesus growing up, was there ever one with some whips? (laughs) No. It was quite modest Jesus who spoke in an English accent, right? Blue eyes and brown hair because he had to be European. And today what I want to talk to you about is why this view of Jesus is so important and why John brought this view of Jesus in. And so if you have your notes handy, your tablet handy, write this down. Here's today's big idea. You can't have the God of comfort if you, without having the God who confronts. Say it one more time. You can't have the God of comfort without having the God who confronts. Last week we talked about, you know, like, like, you know, like the Lord of the wine. I, I, I tease Mark. I'm like, man, y'all got to speak about Lord of the wine. I got to talk about Lord of the whips. <laughs> I got the raw end of this deal here, right? It's much easier to speak. Because last week we told you, the wedding at the Cana of Cana of Galilee, Jesus came in, and we, we talk about water and the wine, all the spiritual significance. But you have to understand what Jesus did there. He wanted that couple to enjoy the greatest week of their life. And the wedding would last for a week or more. And to run out of wine would have been embarrassing for the couple. And he comes in and saves the day. They weren't thinking, Jesus, Messiah, we believe in you. They're thinking, hey, man, this guy's awesome. Our, our party continues. See, God wants you to enjoy life. He wants you to be filled with joy, right? That's a gift from the Holy Spirit, righteousness, joy, and, and peace. And that's so important. But you have to understand that's not where God stops at. Jesus is a Jesus that will turn water into wine for you and bring joy and will fill your life with pleasures forevermore. But the second part of this is he's also the Jesus who will make some ropes And he will go into our temples, our lives, and clean some things out. 
because he loves us. I want to talk to you today about the Lord of the Whips, that he does confront us. And I'm thankful for that. I tell you all the time, this is so important for me. You can read through the Bible in a year, and that's cool if you do that, right? Nothing wrong with that. But see, the problem with with modern-day Christians is we read the Bible, but we don't let the Bible read us. We, We know the Scriptures, but we're not constantly saying, God, what are you trying to confront in my life? What are you trying to clean out of my life? And it's so important that we understand that's a facet of God that will help you. If Michael Jordan, watch this, would have never developed his other dimension, right? He wouldn't be the Michael Jordan that we know today. And I'm going to tell you this, if you don't have the God who confronts in your life, you'll never reach the fullest potential that God has for you. You'll never be able to grow. As a matter of fact, this is how important this is. You can write this down without having the God who confronts. Here's what happens. You end up making yourself the Lord of your life. You'll make yourself Lord. Without having the God who confronts, you'll make yourself Lord. What do you mean by that? Again, we say this all the time. We want to drill this home to you. We exist to serve God. God does not exist to serve us. And if we just think that, that Jesus is the guy who turns water into wine and make everything great, and he's like, you know, hey, guys, everybody, just, let's just coexist, dude. And he's like this guy on a unicorn, you know, throwing out marshmallows on a rainbow. If we think that's Jesus, then we've missed who Jesus really is because our God is jealous. Our God loves us. He wants our attention. He wants our full devotion. If we don't understand that we serve the God who confronts, then what you'll do is make yourself Lord and you'll ask God to serve you. You ask God to do your bidding instead of doing his. You know, recently on social media, um, I had some conversations with some friends and some from Thrive. It's a really good conversation about, you know, about Joe Olstein. I'm not here to beat Joe Olstein up. So don't, if you, li- if you watch or listen to Joe, I'm not, this is not like, hey, stop watching that, none of that stuff. But they said, you know, the, the, the conversation we had was pretty cool. They said, well, what's so bad about Joel? I said, nothing's bad. It's just half of the view of God. If you're always hearing that God just, there's, the thing is, if you never hear sin preached on, you'll never need the gospel. And I love Joel. He's encouraged. I mean, if you need some encouragement, man, you watch him. You're like, man, I just feel so good about myself. I just felt doggone it. I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone the people like me. <laughs> but, but you also miss, if you're on a steady diet of that, you miss having a God who confronts, that loves you enough to say, I'm not going to leave you the way that you are. He's going to confront the attitudes, confront the, the issues that you struggle with in your life. And my fear for American westernized Christianity is we have a steady dose of one thing, while rejecting the other. We have too much of the cupcakes. I love some cupcakes, but you can't live off of them. We have too much of the diet of God serve me, tell me how great I am, when truly we should be serving him and telling him how great that he really is in our life. So what are we going to do? I want you to think about this with the Lord of the Whips today. Allow the Lord of the Whips to clean out your temple. What does that mean? 
In the New Testament, especially in the, in, in the Corinthians, you know, Paul's addressing the church in Corinth. And he's talking to the, the church at Corinth, and they were a very spiritual church. All the gifts were working, and they were just like hooping and hollering, and all this stuff was going on. You can read the, you know, the, both of the letters he wrote to the Corinthians. But then Paul addresses them about sexual immorality. And Paul's like, hey, hey, hey. He's like, do you not know that your body is the temple of God? He says it twice in the letter to the Corinthians. One, he means actually as a corporate body. Like, hey, church at Corinth, you guys are a body together. But then he uses the word individually to mean, hey, don't you know that, like, this is the temple? Like, like you are the church? Like, this is your temple? Now, whenever I got saved, they're like, don't you put any tattoos on you. You're destroying your temple. That scripture, that's not what that meant. Please read the context of what it meant. Paul was saying that there were some things in their lives that God wanted to drive out. And we all have temples. And can I tell you, we all have money changers. We all have things in our temple that if Jesus was to come and walk through, we'd actually let Jesus in. He'd say, yeah, that's got to go. No, 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 that's not acceptable. Because he's the Lord of the whips, not just the Lord of the wine. You know, he talked to you probably like physically. Because we deal with three areas when it comes to confrontation and things we struggle with, physical, emotional, and spiritual. Physically, he'd probably say, hey, look, get off those internet sites you're on. The pornography's ruined in your marriage and your life. I won't be real today. I should have brought some whips up on stage. He'd probably say to you, physically, the way that you're spending your time, the way that you're running your life, it's got to change. Jesus loves us that much. Emotionally, he'd come in and say, hey, you know, I know you justify your anger toward that person. I know that you have every right and reason to talk about how bad they are and how terrible, worse, worse they are. But you've got to forgive them. Anger's in your temple, and Jesus wants to turn the table of anger over, the table of offense, the table of jealousy, the table of covetousness. Like whatever the emotional things that you're struggling with, Jesus would come in with some whips and turn it over. Not because he's against you, it's because he's for you. Spiritually, Jesus wants you to enjoy a rich relationship with him. We don't serve a religion. We have access to a living Father, who loves us and wants us in his presence. And Jesus would come in and say, I know, and listen, I, I, right now I, I watch Netflix, right? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I don't read the Bible all day. But I bet Jesus would say, I think you need to cut this out because you need to be focused on me spiritually. Realize that when he comes in to drive out, he's going to drive out of all, those, all, all of those areas in your life because he loves you so much. And this is not a message of condemnation. If you think, wow, this is a hard message today, Pastor. I really liked the wine last week. Can we go back to that one again? <laughs> not sure this whips thing is my thing. But this is where you will find the richest relationship in your life when God confronts things in your life. And you say, Lord, you're right. You're Lord, and you come turn some tables over. 
So here, here's why he does this. And, there, and there's, there's three reasons I've come up with. I know from my life, and maybe there are many more, but there's three reasons God does this, and he's the Lord of the whips. There's three reasons he cleans out our temple. The first one is this, so you can find contentment in him. Contentment. We live in a culture that's just not content, are we? Because we're always, we had the newest and the prettiest thing thrown at us all the time. We're not content with our body because, like, like you know, I, I love lifting. And I love, like, you know, health stuff and all that. You know what my news feed is littered with? These really, really, like, bodybuilder guys. They're trying to sell me a supplement. And I look at them, I'm like, oh, oh. One day if I only could, you know, and it makes me not content with who I am. See, let me tell you this. Stop looking at somebody else's body and condemning who you are. You're not content with who you are. That's why you're not content with anything around you. And contentment is actually a gift. I think it's something beautiful that the Lord wants to give us. You know, my favorite scripture that I always share here, here at Thrive, is Philippians 4.13. You know that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's the most, the most I think, the most twisted verse in all of scripture. Because that verse has nothing to do with, you know, being strong and getting over the hump. And all. It has nothing to do with that. I love Tim Tebow, but he missed the boat on that one. That scripture has everything to do with contentment. And I love what Paul says here. He, he says, I just want to read this to you. And you can write this down in your notes and reference it later. He says, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. Something, he says, for I have learned. When do you have to learn something, church? When you don't know it, <laughs> right? The apostle Paul had to learn contentment. And then he goes on to say this, and this is so powerful. He says, I know how to live almost nothing or with everything. He says, I have learned the secret of living in every situation. Wouldn't you love to learn the secret of living in every situation? It's contentment that you're content in Christ. And he goes on to say, for whether it's with a full stomach or like most of you right now because it's getting close to lunch, empty, <laughs> With plenty or little, then he says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. What is the everything? It is learning to be content. And when Jesus comes into our temples and he cleans some things out, he cleans things out he doesn't like, then he's teaching you the gift of contentment. And you've got to learn that. You've got to press into that. And I believe in 2021, some of us need to pray, Jesus, help me learn contentment because I always need the next thing. I feel like I'm just not satisfied. And our Lord has come to satisfy our souls. Here's the second reason that Jesus will clean out your temple. So his reputation is not hurt. You know, when he told his disciples to pray, he said this. He said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I taught this several months ago. That word there, hallowed, means set apart. It's our job to set apart the name of Jesus and all the earth. And can I tell you, I have not been great at this. If you track me back to college about 16 years ago, I've told you, I got into skirmishes and fights with guys at college. I was a ministry student, y'all. Tracked back about eight years ago, now when I first moved here and played basketball 
And guys who are really good friends now, I was all up in their face, ready to, ready to, to throw blows, right? But the thing was, I was hurting Jesus' reputation. It wasn't my reputation, it was Jesus' reputation. And so sometimes there's things in our temples that Jesus comes to clean out because it's hurting the reputation of God to the world. Kind of like you know, the prophet John Bon Jovi said. He says, you give love a bad name. <laughs> sometimes we give Christ a bad name, right? <laughs> and we have to learn that Jesus comes in to do that in our life. So the Lord's name will be set apart in the earth to those around us. I mean, I'm going to tell you, my goal in 2021 personally is to be more kind, be less judgmental, more empathetic, because I'm not those things. And the Lord really confronted me at the end of the year, it was a devotion time, about pride and arrogance. See, here's what happens when you first get saved, and as I've said this before, I'm saying, God, you, know, you kind of get rid of all the things that you don't like, right? You know, I get rid of drinking, smoking, all that stuff, and even cursing, I'm kind of, you know, and, and I look good to other people, but God still sees our hearts. And, and the Lord looks at my heart and says, hey, Kev, you know, I'm glad you're doing all this stuff for me, but you got to get rid of that stuff because ultimately it's going to hurt my name if you let pride and arrogance and all that stuff in your life come out. And that's why Jesus cleans our temple out. And here's the final reason. This is very important for this year, to bring spiritual priorities back into focus. The temple had become a place of a show. It had become a dramatic event where people went and they traveled once a year. Kind of like the Easter of what we have each year. That was, that was Passover for them. They all came there. It was all just outward service for most of them. And when Jesus cleaned that out, what did he say? He said, my house will be a house of prayer for all nations. Is, is your temple a, a place of prayer? Where's your spiritual priorities? Some of us need to renew our spiritual relationship with God to be focused on Him. See, the temple was so crowded with money changers, they couldn't focus on, on God. The focuses were all different. I know in my life in 2021, I've just made some changes spiritually. I get lax spiritually. I wake up in the mornings on my coffee number one, right? I turn that pot on, I'm ready. But I catch myself scrolling on Facebook first thing or checking some emails. Made a commitment to the Lord. The first book I'm going to check is not Facebook, but the good book. Hallelujah. Do <laughs> <laughs> you like that? Where is that for you? You know, my wife and I each year, we're, we're, we're not cluttered people. We like to keep things very, you know, just downsized and focused, even though we have a probably, you know, a, a, a bigger house, it's, we're still very focused on just being, you know, I believe a garage is for cars. Amen. Does anybody believe that in this house today? Come on, church. I just, I just believe the garage is for cars. And so every year, here's what we do. We go in our garage and we completely clean it out. We vacuum it, we sweep it, and we throw things away and we put it all back together again so we can get our cars in there. See, in America, one of the things, one of our problems is we have way too much. When, when, when you have too much, when you're filling your garage up with stuff too much, you know you got way too much stuff, right? And you don't want to part with it. 
You see where I'm going with this? Spiritually, in your spiritual garage, you need to bring the priority for your life, what it's supposed to be. Because you got some stuff you're attached to. And Jesus is saying, I want to clean this thing out. Why? Because he has more for you. The Lord of the Whips didn't mean Jesus, and Lord of the Wine didn't nice Jesus. It's all Jesus. I believe God has more for you. I believe there's potential in you that's not been tapped yet. But it's up to you to let Jesus in that temple and say, Lord of the Whips, clean it out. Clean it out. Let's pray. Father, I pray this morning, Lord, that there be a significant impact in people's lives that have heard this and hearing those today watching online. Father, I pray that we would allow you to not just be the Lord of the wine, but also the Lord of the whips in our life. God, you don't correct us because you're mad at us. You correct us because you love us. So today we open our hearts up to you, call out to you. And we open our temples up to say, come on in, Jesus. Come on in. Do what you do best. And as we're praying today, church, this mode of prayer, maybe you've never let Jesus in your heart. Never, maybe you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. Maybe you said a prayer one day or said something as a child, but you've never just really surrendered to have this rich relationship with the Lord. Maybe you walked away from your faith and you know that the Lord's been calling you. He's been speaking to your heart, and you've come today, you're watching online, and you say, today is the day. I want to make this change. I want to give my life to Christ. If that's you today, right where you're sitting, the most important decision of your life, right where you're at if you're watching online in your home, right where you're at, you can pray this prayer after me. It's a confession of faith. Let's pray. You say, God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I cannot save myself. I call, I call out for mercy. For I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe he resurrected on the third day. Today, I turn from my old life. And I ask you, forgive me of all my sins. Cleanse me. Jesus, I love you. Help me to live for you. In your name we pray, amen.